What a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. And, and it's Jesus. He's the reason we're here. He's the, he's the purpose for us being here. He is the goal to which we are going. It, it's, it's all about Jesus. I know you know this, and I, I know you believe this, but sometimes we forget this, that, that Jesus is the, the foundation of everything that we are and everything that we hope to be. It's Jesus. It, Jesus is the center of this church. He is the head of this body of believers called First Norfolk. He's the reason that we're here. And because of Jesus, we have hope. Uh, today, we are continuing in this journey where we're looking at uh, the, the unsearchable riches of Christ. And uh, we began this journey looking in Ephesians chapter 3, where Paul talks about the unsearchable riches of Christ. And then last week, we looked at Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 15 all the way to verse 23, where we uh, heard Paul describing Jesus in all of his glory. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things that were created in heaven and on earth, whether rulers or thrones or dominions or powers, all things were made for him and through him. And by him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, which is the church. Oh, my goodness. Uh, and, and the goal of all this is so that in all things, Jesus might have supremacy. Well, it's our hope and, and my desire and my yearning for us today is that, that Jesus might have preeminence, not only in your life or my life, but in this church, that he might be supreme. And, and so that so that as we follow the leadership of Jesus, who is our head, we experience the full measure of God's favor, the, the full flavor of his favor in our life and in our church as we pursue his purposes in our world. Well, that's who Jesus is. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to go on down to verse 27. We're just going to look really at one phrase. See, what Paul says in verse 27, and, and really this is where he's um, uh, kind of leading out of, because of who Jesus is, here's what he says in verse 27. He says, to them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is, and here's the phrase, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Today, I want us to understand that Jesus Christ delivers to us unsearchable riches. And these unsearchable riches awakens and unleashes hope for life. It, it's these unsearchable riches bound up in who Jesus is that, that unleashes hope. Now, when I talk about hope, I'm talking about hope as we find it in Scripture. This, this idea of hope that that we have. I mean, I had hopes last night that Tennessee would beat Georgia. I almost texted you, Mike Atkins. I almost did, but then I thought you might have to text me back. That's a Georgia fan. And I know you would. That's why I didn't even start the conversation. I had hope, but it wasn't built on much, much anything solid, certainly not an offense. I had hope, but that was more well-wishing. That was, that was a, a, not really a confident expectation, just a, 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 
a fanciful imagination. In many ways, that's, thank you. In many ways, that's exactly how we look at our life. We, we, we talk about hope as some fanciful imagining of good that would happen. But that's not biblical hope. See, biblical hope is built upon the foundation of the promises of God, which are built on the foundation of the character of God. The the hope that we look at, when we talk about hope, we're talking about the confident expectation and the glorious anticipation that God, for His glory, will work good among His people. It is the confident expectation and the glorious anticipation that God, for His glory, will work good among His people. And so as we consider this hope, we we also need to understand that the only people who have this hope, and and by the way, it's it's hope like when I go to bed at night, I, I know, I hope that the sun will rise tomorrow. I don't know I don't have, I, I don't have a, 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 a crystal ball that, that I can see tomorrow morning and look at the sunrise, but, but I have a confident expectation and a glorious anticipation that when I lay my head down at night, the sun is going to rise tomorrow. In the same way, we have hope in God, and that hope that comes to us, that, that wondrous anticipation of God for his glory working good among his people, that kind of hope it comes to us through Jesus Christ and only through Jesus Christ. I, 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 I think it's important, especially in today's culture and time, and, well, we need to understand that hope belongs to those who belong to God. And the only way to have a, a relationship with God is through Jesus Christ. That's why the Apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12, if, if, if you want to just kind of jot that down about hope. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12, Paul writes and he says, Hey, listen to people like you and me. He said, Hey, here's how you once were. You were strangers. From the covenant of promise, uh, you, you, were, uh, you were separated from God because of your sin, and you were living without hope in this world because of our sin that separates us from God. In our sin, apart from God, we only have a hopeless existence. And you might say, well, I know a lot of people who don't know Jesus and they have hope. Well, it's a hope that is founded on a faulty foundation. I, I have hope. I have hope many times in, in people around me and people that love me. I, I have hope. And when I was a child, I hoped in my dad and my mom, and I knew that, that they had the best intention for me. But here's the thing. My dad and my mom, they're fail, uh, frail human beings, and, and they don't always do what I want them to do or anticipate for them to do. And sometimes, it was shocking for me to discover this, sometimes my parents made mistakes. Notice I'm using my parents 
And I'm not talking about my girls and the way they look at me, but they know. They count on me. You know, my daughters, they count on me. And there is a certain measure of hopefulness that I I can give to them when they're in a situation they don't know how to handle. They can pick up the phone, they can call me, or they can come by and they can see me, and, and I can give them certain things. But, do you know, there have been times, and I know this is shocking because I'm your pastor, but there have been times that I've made mistakes. I know, I know, it's okay. Here, let me come off the pedestal. Yes, I've made mistakes. But the the truth is, uh, there are people who live in hope, and they have hope in themselves, they have hope in other people, Uh, but our strength is insufficient to give us a confident anticipation like the rising of the sun tomorrow, and a glorious expectation like the rising of the sun tomorrow. Our strength is insufficient. Other people's strength is insufficient. That's why why the psalmist always said, hey, listen, stop trusting in horses and stop trusting in chariots, but place your trust, your hope, your confidence in the living God. The only way we get to that place of confident expectation and glorious anticipation that God for his own glory will work good among his people as if we become part of his family. Without God, there is no hope. And the only way that we get to God is through Jesus. That's why Paul, when he writes in Colossians 1.27, we're only going to look at this one phrase, in him or uh, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And and so I want you to see Christ in you first. What unleashes hope for life in us is not what we do. What unleashes hope for life in this church is not how we do things. What unleashes hope for life in our family, in our home, in our sickness, in our suffering, in our victories, in our defeats, in our joys, and in our sorrows, what unleashes hope for life is Christ in you. Hope begins in relationship with Jesus. And if you don't have that relationship, you don't have hope. Not the kind of hope that makes the soul sing even when the dark shadows and of suffering come blinding down the path. It's, 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 it's hope that, that believes that the sun will rise tomorrow even though everything around you says that the sun isn't going to rise. You have hope that God, for his glory, is working good for you because you are part of his people. And you become part of his people through Jesus Christ. I want us to see this progression and, 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 and really one of the, this idea of Christ in you. Can I just say, um, in you is important. In you, in the Greek language, you know the New Testament was written in Greek. And, and in the Greek language, these prepositions with prepositional phrases, they, they mean a lot. I mean, you got to, uh, one of the greatest benefits I ever had in learning Greek and Hebrew, but especially Greek, was understanding the significance of prepositional phrases. I mean, they're loaded with meaning, and, and sometimes we don't get all that but in the English. But, but, but this idea of in you, Christ in you, what does that mean? Well, it, it means that we're immersed in Christ. It, 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 means, it means more than you know about Jesus. It means that, that you, your soul has been saturated 
with Jesus. It means, it means that, that your mind is consumed with Jesus. It means that, that you are living in submission to Jesus. It means that you are living obedient to Jesus. It means your waking moments and all through the day, and as you lay your head on the pillow at night, you are thinking on Jesus. You are meditating on Jesus because he is your hope. He is your life. He is your soul. He is your abundance. He is your wealth. He is your everything, if indeed you know him. See, this, this is where we get off track. And we'll, we'll, really, I want us to get back on track. I want, I, I want Eric to get back on track because I get off track. Well, what happens is we get, we get all focused on a lot of all kinds of things. And we start thinking about us being immersed in our job. Friends, the job in you is not the hope of glory. We get focused in, in our marriages, and, 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 and I'm focused in my marriage, but, but sometimes in an idolatrous way and sometimes in an unhealthy way. Guys, it's not eating in me the hope of glory. Well, our children. You know, oh, we just immerse ourselves in our children and our waking. And, and guys, listen, I love my daughters, and, and, and I will do almost anything for them, but guys, it's not... Eric's daughters in me, the hope of glory. And even, even church, and, and I know this is hard to break apart, but sometimes what we do is we say church as the, as the circle of my friendships or church as the institution that I gather in or church in the sense of this, this, uh, this building in which I find myself. Sometimes what we do is we say, oh, it's the church. That's, that's my hope of glory. No, no, it is Christ. In you, the hope of glory. We need to set our gaze upon him, the author and the finisher of our faith. We need to set our life in his grip, in his hand. And when we understand that a relationship with Jesus is the birthing of hope in us and our submission to Jesus is the continuation of that hope in us, then, then we begin to experience a living hope. A hope that nothing can take away. We begin to go to bed at night understanding that the sun will rise tomorrow. That God and his grace still operates in this world and in my life and in my days. No matter how difficult, no matter how painful, no matter the nature of the suffering that I face, no matter, no matter the, the obstacle that r- rises up in front of me, I, 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 can, I, can, I, I can have hope, the confident expectation The glorious anticipation that God, for his own glory, is going to work good. Even if there's a Red Sea in front of me, I know that God, in his glory, for his glory, and for my good, is going to part the waters that I'm going to walk through on dry ground. But do you have that kind of hope? Without Jesus, there is no hope like that. So as we look at Christ in you, can, can I just have you stop for a second start thinking, are you living your life in submission to Jesus with your lives and your hearts and your minds immersed, saturated on Jesus? Who he is, what he wants from you, how, how we're to live for him. Are you immersed in Jesus? Is Jesus controlling your life and And if not, there's a clue as to why you have hopelessness. 
Now, look, can I just tell you, and, and this is all honest, I, I, I get it, how we can have boogeymen that are bigger than God in our own minds. You, you know, and, and let's just be honest, there are certain things that we face and, and they just seem stronger than God sometimes. Now, we don't believe that to be true, right? I mean, we would never teach a Bible study that my, my, my circumstances are more powerful than God. But, but even though we, we don't believe it to be true, sometimes we live it as though we believe it. So sometimes we begin to think that, that the, the bigness of our difficulties or the, 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 the nature of the season of our suffering or the, or the pain, the, the bigness, the enormity of the pain that I'm undergoing, sometimes we begin to think that, that those things are more powerful than the God who gave us Jesus. And maybe that's why we lack hope. The, the, the confident expectation and the joyful anticipation that God for his glory is going to work good for his people. Maybe, maybe we miss, miss it because we begin to, under, uh, begin to believe that, yeah, I believe God is big and powerful and he's good, but have you seen the size of that obstacle in front of me? I'm not here to give you some self-help lesson on how to overcome obstacles in life. That's not my job and it's not my calling. I'd probably be pretty bad at it anyway. Now, my job here is to help us understand the nature of the promises of God and the power of his word that gives us hope through Jesus Christ. That's what Paul said he was about. In, in verse 27, go, go back to Colossians 1, verse 27, he said, here, here's, what, here, here's what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to be admonishing and teaching and warning them and letting them understand all the riches of this glory that, that, that are centered in Jesus Christ, that, that belong to those who belong to Jesus. So that, that's my job. So, so if hope begins in relationship with Jesus, can I ask you, do you have a relationship with Jesus? So, some, some who gather with us, you, you're a religious person, but you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You're a moral person. You're an American person, you, but you do not have a relationship with Jesus. You, you say, well, how do you know, Eric? Well, I don't. I'm just, I'm just saying it's a pretty good chance that in this room, that there are a few of us that we've been trying to pretend like we have a relationship with Jesus by living a certain way and saying certain things and doing certain things. If you really get down to it, the reason you live a hopeless life and the reason you try to pour your hopelessness on other people is because you just don't, you, you don't know Jesus. And if you don't know Jesus, there will be no hope for you. So my, 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 my cry, my plea to you today is... Understand who Jesus is, that he didn't come to teach you a good way of life or to make your life better. He came to rescue you from hell by dying on a cross for your sin. And you don't get that forgiveness by showing up in a building and sitting in a seat and listening to a guy pontificate about this stuff. you, You don't get the joy of forgiveness of sin just because you showed up in this room or any room like this. 
No, we, we get forgiveness for sin because Jesus died for us on a cross and we, in the bankruptcy of our own effort and soul, understand that the only way a dead person can be made alive is through the one who was made alive, who, who died for us and rose again. So we put our trust in Jesus. We cling to him and he rescues us and he brings us into a relationship with God and there hope is born. Has hope been born in you through faith in Christ? If it has, if Christ in you is your reality, if that's who you are, if, if Christ in you is your declaration, yes, Christ in me, then understand what that means. It means that Jesus delivers to us a hope that shatters our fears. And Jesus delivers to us this wondrous hope that shatters our fears. And, 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 and here's what hope of glory means. I, the, the hope of glory, say, say it, think of it this way. We're going to talk about the, the unsearchable riches of Christ that give us heaven. We're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks. You don't want to miss that one. That's going to be so much fun. But hope of glory here in verse 27 of Colossians 1, it's talking about heaven. Hope of glory. It's, it's talking to us about where we're headed, that, that we are going to, to this blissful, glorious place called heaven. It belongs to those who belong to Jesus. We have this glorious hope that no matter what I've done in my yesterday, and no matter what I've done in my today, and no matter what I might do in my tomorrow, that because I have placed my life in the hands of Jesus, and he is the king of my salvation, because of him, I can be confident that heaven is my home. Now, that, that is hope of glory. But, but how does that shatter our fears? Can I just show you a little bit about that? See, if you were to turn to 1 Peter chapter 1 and look at verse 3, you would hear Peter describe it like this. Now, Peter's a character. I mean, he was a, he was a bold man, you know? But he made a lot of mistakes, denying Jesus three times. P Peter, was, Peter was a guy known for the errors that he made, but also for the great declarations of his life. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, here's, here's, what he, here's what he writes. And he's writing to a group of believers, a church like this. And he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Do you want to know what gives us access to heaven? It is the firstborn over all creation, the one who has been raised from the dead. It is the one who looked death square in the eye, looked hell deep in the abyss, who took sin upon himself, who crushed death and the grave, sin and Satan, and rose victorious three days later. He's the captain of our salvation. He conquered our greatest foes. God, in his great grace, gave us Jesus who conquered death, hell, and the grave. We have a living hope, a hope that is alive in our soul right now, not because of what you do, not because of where you go, not because of what you know, 
but because Jesus has been raised from the dead. We have a living hope because Jesus has defeated our biggest foes. Can I ask you a question? When did we start deciding that the foes we face in our everyday life are bigger than death that Jesus defeated? When did we start equating our problems to the same degree of death? The devil, judgment for sin. Well, of course, we would never write that on a piece of paper or teach it to our Sunday school class. I would never preach that from this place because it's not true. But oh, how many times I've lived as if it were. One aspect of this hope of glory is what gives us access and confidence and the, 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 the joyful confidence and the, and, and the glorious anticipation of, of, of God for his glory uh, working good among his people is the fact that, that when Jesus lay in the grave uh, being punished for our sin, dead, breathing no more, God brought forth a great change, a transformation, a new thing. It's called the resurrection. And that resurrection is what gives us the promise of the hope of glory. It's the resurrection from the dead that gives us the hope that I'm going to heaven when I die. I'm not going to be stuck in the ground wilting to be worm dirt. I was trying to think how to say that, and then worm dirt came up. Food for worms. It's probably better. But we have a hope because the resurrection of Jesus, and that hope is alive. And, and, and here's how it translates and confronts our fears. You've got problems. You've got problems. Yes, you've got problems. I've got problems. And yes, all God's children got problems. But there is no problem that we face that is bigger than the power of God to raise Jesus from the dead. And today we live not confronted by fears that are more powerful than the God who raises the dead, but rather we face these fears that attack us and harangue us and beat us up and, 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 and dominate our thinking and and. and captivate our minds and our hearts and our souls. But in the midst of it, we need to remind ourselves that yes, I got problems, but God is the God who raises the dead and the same power that was at work in Christ when God raised him from the dead is the same power that's alive in me right now. So I look for the rising of the sun. I want to see the, the, the horizon crest with God's grace uh, in my sight. I'm going to live with this hope alive in me and my fears will be shattered in the face of Jesus Christ who has been raised from the dead. This is how we're supposed to live. That is the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. There's another aspect of 
what hope of glory means. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. And that means that Jesus not only uh, delivers to us a hope that shatters our fears, but he delivers to us a hope that anchors our soul. See, if all I have in this world is my ability, my intellect, my charm, and my wilting good looks... I'm in trouble. If, if all I have in this world to stabilize my life is what I can do, I'm in trouble. If all you have in this life is how well you can navigate through the difficulties and the delights. If all you have in this life is how you can manage the circumstances, good and bad, if all you have in this life is what you can do as you put your hand to the plow, then you're in trouble. Because I don't know if anybody's told you, and this is what makes me a bad self-help coach. You're not strong enough. And you're definitely not smart enough. You might say, well, Eric, is that really true? Yeah, it's really true. Who here can rope the wind? Who here can tame the hurricane? Who here can walk on water? Who here can stop the sun in its track? Who here can part the seas? Well, obviously none of us can, but do you know that each one of those moments and each one of those sayings described in Scripture are a description of how God moved in power among His people and for the good of His people and for the glory of His people? See, if all you've got is what you can do, then you're going to come up short. If all I've got is what I can do, then I'm going to come up short. And that's why even followers of Jesus live not filled with hope, but filled with hopelessness. The hope of glory is a reminder to us that Jesus has blazed the trail between heaven and earth and between earth and heaven. And he has conquered every foe in his path. And now he stands as the solid rock upon which we can stand. And no matter what winds blow and no matter how the, 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 the rains fall and no matter how the waters rise, our lives will stand secure and strong when we are built upon Jesus. Who is our hope? We forget that so often. I forget that so often. But truly, the only anchor to my soul is the fact that Jesus is my life and my hope, my peace and my joy. 
so that when the sufferings do come, and in fact, uh, if you look in verse 24, Paul actually says that he rejoices in his sufferings. I, I never hardly get that part. I mean, I appreciate Paul, and, and I appreciate how he wrote it like that. And James, when he said, this is what we're supposed to do, is, is, is count it all joy when we encounter multifaceted trials and struggles. And, and I can appreciate that. I, I'm not hardly there. You know, I, maybe you're with me, and, and you're trying to be joyful in your suffering, and you're trying to count it all joy, and you're trying to celebrate it a little bit. But it's hard because that's not easy for us. You see, we don't like to suffer. Who here enjoys a little suffering? Who here enjoys a little discomfort and pain? Who here wants to celebrate a little struggle in your life? Well, not many of us, not any of us, but somehow, some way, when Jesus is the anchor for our soul, when we begin to look upon him as our source of hope, our source of life, our source of joy, our source of peace, when becoming more like Jesus is our greatest passion and our greatest desire, then joy begins to rise up in us even in the face of suffering and pain. Joy begins to rise up in us, even in the face of difficulty and drama. Joy begins to rise up in us because Jesus is taking our pain and making us more like him. And boy, that's something to celebrate. That's where we get anchored. Our life is built upon Jesus Christ, the solid rock. And it's not just a good song that we used to sing about Jesus being a solid rock upon which I stand, stand all other ground is sinking sand. That becomes the foundation of our life, becomes the anchor for our soul. And when difficult days come, and yes, difficult days are going to come. Suffering happens. The struggle is real. When those days happen, we don't have to be like Dorothy going along a yellow brick road trying to find a wizard to make her pain go away. We don't have to be like Nacho Libre. Look it up. (laughs) We don't have to be like Nacho Libre looking for the eagle's egg to give him supernatural power. We've got Jesus. And he walks with me. And he talks with me. And he tells me, I am his own. Today, you want to find an anchor for your soul in the face of difficulty, drama, struggle, and pain? Put your hand in the hand of Jesus. Walk with him. See, there is a disconnect between Christ in Eric and me experiencing the hope of glory. There is a disconnect at times. I know you feel it too. So what do we do? How do we today in this moment, how do we return to that hope of glory that Jesus and Jesus alone provides. How, how do we return there so that it's not just a, a Sunday morning moment, but it's an everyday life experience? How do we have this living hope every single day? Can I su- suggest maybe it's as simple as turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. 
and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. You're facing difficult days and drama that you didn't ask for. You're facing struggles that you don't even know how bad it's going to get, but you know it's going to be a season of storm in your life. And, and you wonder, how in the world can I have hope in the face of such a big boogeyman that is haunting me? Where is the hope? And friends, I would say, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim. The light of his glory and grace. But Eric, you don't know. You don't understand. You don't understand my pain. My pain is so great. You don't understand. You don't understand what they've done to me, what he's done to me, what she's done to me. You don't understand how they've been unfaithful or how they've been uh, disrespectful. You don't understand how they've abused me. You don't understand how they have beaten me down. Eric, you don't understand the pain that I'm facing. How can I find hope in the midst of this pain? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Would you bow your heads, please? All around. This moment is simple. It's for you to turn your eyes upon Jesus. Some of you are here today and the truth is you don't have a friendship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. And you need to repent your sin today. You need to place your faith in Jesus as your only hope for rescue. You need to be saved. Be rescued today and let hope come alive in you. And if that's you today, I invite you to come and talk to me or one of the other pastors here at the front. But, but for the rest of us, Oh, soul, are you wearied? Are you struggling? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Your relationships fractured, frail. Your emotions feeble. Your hands and heart are weak. Your knees are shaking. Your soul is quaking. What do you do? Turn. Your eyes upon Jesus. Oh God, in this moment, will you revive hope among your people? Unleash it in our soul. As we set our gaze upon Jesus, the King and Captain of our salvation.